Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Welcome to our series, Renew. Uh, before I get into the series, I just want to say a quick word about uh, Henson Lim coming from Singapore. Uh, the Lord has given Terry and I the opportunity to minister to several churches in Singapore over the last five years. And a year ago, I heard Pastor Henson share his message about another awakening, and I thought, man, I would love for people on Guam to be able to hear this message. So we are bringing him over, and we're just opening it up to all of us and all churches, anybody who wants to come, it's open to the public, and trusting that God's going to use that to help us be awakened and aligned and assigned. It's going to be great. Hope you can join us. So... Uh, like I said, welcome to our new series, Renew. Um, I want to thank Armin last week. Um, he talked about rejection. He talked about how rejection is so prevalent in our world today and how Jesus is here for us to heal the hurt through his love and his acceptance. In the story, you recall Jesus went out of his way to go see the woman at the well. And she was very hurt. She was in her fifth relationship. And Jesus said that if she knew who he was, she would ask him for this special water where she would never thirst again. She would become content and secure. And that's a picture of Jesus and how he's here to help us. He gives us wholeness and healing and victory. And that's what this series is about. Renew is a series about how Jesus is here to help us with our struggles. Renew is a series about how Jesus can transform us. Today, we'll look at a passage of Scripture that reveals insights about another kind of struggle. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that reveals insights about the invisible realm. We're going to be talking about spiritual battle. Now, when we talk about spiritual battle, when we talk about demons, there are two types of reactions. There are two extremes. There are people who are kind of fascinated by the kingdom of darkness and what is that? I'd like to understand. And then there are those who, they don't think it's real. It's not relevant. It's kind of the throwback of an old religion and old ways of thinking. Somewhere in between is the biblical balance. Let's pray. Father, you are the teacher. And so, God, we ask that you would reveal, that you would speak, that you would teach. We present ourselves to you. Lord, you said that you are the truth, that truth sets free. And so, Father, would you work in us, in our minds, in the minds of our hearts, and allow us to hear what it is that you have for us today. God, I ask that you would open our understanding, that you would deal with any hindrances that would kind of block and stand in the way and prevent. Lord, I ask that you would just kind of open the windows of heaven and allow us to see from your perspective life as it really is. And allow us, Lord, to be able to be free. 
as we walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today is found in Mark chapter 5. Before we read the story, I want to give you a little preview and share why it's important. It's, it'll help if you keep in mind the context. Uh, the story we're about to read happens right on the heels of another dramatic story. Uh, you may recall the time when the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there was, the Sea of Galilee is big. It's like four miles wide, ten miles long. And if there is a storm, it can get rough out on the water. And they were there at night, and the storm was rough, and they were, they were literally scared for their lives. And amazingly, they looked, and Jesus was asleep in the boat. Here they are in the middle of this storm, and they turned to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, don't you care? And I think that's such a common response for us when we're in a storm, and we're like, God, where are you? Don't you care? And Jesus wakes up, and he says, peace, be still. And the storm is calmed. And I tell you, the disciples are standing there with their mouths open going, what just happened? Like, who is this guy? And then scripture says, the moment the storm was healed, they landed on the other shore that they were going to. And before they even had time to process that amazing moment, and figure out what is going on here, the Bible says that a demon-possessed man approached Jesus. He had just demonstrated that he has power over nature. He had just demonstrated that he has power over the physical laws of the universe. And now he's about to demonstrate that he has power over demons. The story that we're about to read is very dramatic. It's a true story. But it's not a common experience. It's not a common occurrence. We're going to read a story about a man who lived in a cemetery. He did not wear any clothes. He had superhuman strength. He was out of his mind, and he would scream and yell and cry out at night. The community around him were just freaked out about this guy. The purpose of this event is to reveal the power of God. Jesus came to show us the Father. Remember, he said to Thomas, Thomas, if you have seen me, you have seen who? You have seen the Father. God wants you to see his power over darkness through a radical example. Why? So that you will know that anything less is not a problem for God. Anything less is not a problem. Jesus' power over the kingdom of darkness is far superior and absolute. There is nothing else like it. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The circumstances of the story, as I mentioned earlier, are not a common occurrence. And so I, I want us to avoid the temptation to think that this might not apply to me. Maybe it doesn't relate. But there is a way that it does. Here's how. We may not experience spiritual battle on the level of this bondage, but it's important to know that we all experience some level of spiritual battle in this life. This is why God said through the Bible, he told us to be on the alert and to be strong in the strength of his might. You know, I have a handful, a handful of experiences in the years that I've been in ministry of dramatic cases of 
demonization and deliverance. Terry and I have had the privilege of seeing some people dramatically set free from some very dark situations. But I have to say again that that's not very common. That's happened a few times, a handful of times. The more common type of spiritual battle that we see in day in, that we see day in day out are things like judgment. The Bible says, do not judge. Jesus said that in Matthew 7, 1. He said, do not judge. Neil Anderson, in his book, The Bondage Breaker, which I would encourage you to read, if you want to know more about your identity in Christ and victory over any kind of spiritual battle, read The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. In that book, he makes this statement. 80% of the enemy's access in our lives comes through our judgments. Judgment is when you have a, an observation, but with an attitude. It's like you hear something, you see something, you're like, I don't like that. And you can always tell when judgment is at play because it creates a relational distance between you and whoever that person is. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to make eye contact. You don't want to hang out with them. Chances are there's some kind of judgment that has taken place. There are other kinds of things that are much more common for spiritual battle. Living in fear, living in anxiety, which is a low-level form of fear. I think there's a lot of that going on around the island because of the storm. I drove by Home Depot last night. The entire parking lot was packed with lines of cars coming from north and south waiting to go in. Now, yes, we do need to be prepared for a storm. I have shutters. If the storm doesn't stop veering north, I'm going to put them up. I went and bought some extra plywood for my sliding door. You need to be prepared. But as you've heard already in the service, with what attitude? God wants us to be at peace and secure and to be able to rest in him even in the midst of storms. Other forms of spiritual battle are unbelief in the power of God, unbelief in God's word, difficulty forgiving others, anger and bitterness. Sometimes I'll be helping somebody work through a struggle that's going on in their life, maybe a difficult relationship, and they know God's ways, they know the Bible, they've been to church, and then I'll say, would you be willing to forgive that person? And they're like, yes, I, I, I need to, I know I need to. And I'll say, okay, let's pray, and we'll bow our heads, and then all of a sudden, God has just given me this discernment to be able to sense when a person is struggling on the inside. And they'll be quiet for a moment, and I can just tell something's not quite clicking. And I'll ask them, are you kind of struggling with being able to pray through this? And they're like, yeah, what is that? And I've learned that when those kinds of hesitations, the, that kind of resistance takes place, that's an indicator of spiritual battle. And I'll say, Stay in prayer. We're going to camp right here. We're going to press through this. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to ask him to help you be able to overcome this hesitancy, this resistance. And the enemy, he wants us not to walk in the ways of God because then he can have an influence in our life. He can use triggers and circumstances that, that get us to distance ourselves from God or from people. So, Unforgiveness is one. There, you get the idea. The list can go on. There's all kinds of common everyday responses that we struggle with. 
For years, there was a battle in my mind that just recently, the Lord gave me freedom from it. Uh, my kids went to school in Portland. Periodically, we would go there to visit them. And for years, every time I went to Portland, it was as if I had this fog in my mind. It was like, I felt like I just, you know when you wake up in the morning, you, for you morning people won't relate to this. But for us night people, when you wake up in the morning, it's kind of like you're trying to wake up, you know, like, where am I? What time is it? <laughs> you know that feeling? Well, I was in Portland, and I would be that way all the time, all day long, from morning till night, week after week. And I was like, what is that? And, you know, Portland is known for witchcraft. I don't want to single them out as some dark place. Every region in the world has its unique type of spiritual battle. Guam has it too. It's just if you grow up here, you think it's normal, you don't recognize it. It takes somebody from the outside to come and go, what is that? You know, and I go to another place and I can feel it. The people who grew up there, they don't. So anyway, a year ago, I'm in Portland and I'm going on a hike with Terry and my older daughter, Tara. And we're in this beautiful place out in the woods. I love nature. I love the fresh air. And I still got this fogginess over my mind. I'm like, it's like I just can't wake up. Like, what is that? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe it's just, I just need some exercise, you know? And so we're outdoors, and we're going on this long walk, and we're at the end of the hike, and I'm thinking, man, the air is fresh, the woods are beautiful, I've had all this exercise, and this thing is not going away, and I'm thinking, this is not physical. And so finally, after all these times, I finally turned to Terry and my, my daughter, Tara, and I said, hey, I'm experiencing this thing, and I, ex I describe it to them. I said, are you guys experiencing that? And Tara says, you know, that's the same thing all my, Christians friend, all my Christian friends tell me. And the way she said it was like, but she doesn't. And so I said, so how do you deal with that? What do you do? And she said, I just decided in my heart. By the way, I'm a little hesitant to tell you this because the answer was so simple. And I feel like I got schooled by my daughter. <laughs> she said, I just decided in my heart through intimacy with God and loving him and walking with him that I would not come under that oppression. I thought, that is so, that is so right. I said, would you guys pray for me? <laughs> the problem was, every time I would go to Portland, I'd be on vacation. How many of you know, you can't take a vacation spiritually? <laughs> you know, it's not when you're at home and when you're at work, you should be alert. You should be alert always and, and, and be, stand strong in the strength of his might. And so they prayed for me. And I tell you, instantly, it just lifted. It was like the fog was gone. And my mind was clear. And it was the clearest it had ever been in all those visits. So that was a year ago. This year, when we went again, I had learned my lesson. I decided, you know what? No more spiritual vacation for me. And I went there, prayed up, always alert, walking with God, seeking him. And it didn't happen. It was gone. My mind was clear the whole time. And so, you know, sometimes if the enemy can't take you out, he'll try to use like fog or smoke just so you can't see what he's doing. He'll try to suppress us. And I have a funny little graphic I want to show you. We'll put it up on the screen. This is relevant since we have a weather situation going on. So if the coconut 
Palms are moving, it's windy. If they're still, it's calm. If it's wet, it's rainy. If it's dry, it's sunny. Uh, We'll forget the next one. But if it's invisible, there's fog. And if it's gone, there's a typhoon. You know, I was thinking about that. Sometimes the enemy would just kind of try to veil our understanding, to veil our perception so that we cannot perceive, cannot sense the presence of God, the voice of God, the activity of God. It's like he wants to put a fog over our minds. And I want to encourage us that Jesus is here to help us. And no matter what level of spiritual battle you're experiencing, he's here to bring healing and wholeness and victory. Amen? So we're going to read about it. There is an invisible enemy, but Jesus is here for you, and he has power over the enemy. So watch what happens as we read the story. This is Mark chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake after he calmed the storm in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Verse 3. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So I just want to make a couple observations about this passage. Number one, this man lived in the place of death. This is a spiritual picture of people without God. The biblical definition of death is separation from God. And if we're without him, we live in a place of spiritual death. He's the source of life. An unbeliever can be successful in business. You can work. You can have a successful career. You can buy homes without God. It's called common grace. Common grace is the idea that the sun shines and clouds rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. We all experience common grace in this life. Special grace is for those who enter a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But because of common grace, you can do a lot of things in life without God. You can get a degree, you can get married, you can have kids, you can have a family, You can do a lot of things, but I don't want you to miss this next observation. The man had great power. He could snap chains, but at the same time, he was powerless. He could snap the physical chains, but he could not get free from the spiritual chains. Some people consider themselves strong. It could be mental strength. It could be physical strength. It could be emotional strength. And yet there are habits and patterns of behavior that just never seem to go away. It's as if there are spiritual chains that we are unable to break. Verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? 
In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. And he said this because Jesus had already been saying to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Verse 9. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. Verse 11. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. There's a couple observations to make from this passage. Verse 6, it says, The man came and bowed low before Jesus. A defeated enemy bows before the victor. The main focus is not the demons. The main focus is Jesus. He's the victor. The demons are an important part of the story, but they are not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Jesus is more powerful than oppression. Many of these details can distract us from the real, what's really important. I mean, this could be a scene from a movie, could it not? I mean, like a horror movie, this guy in a cemetery, he doesn't wear any clothes, everybody's afraid of him, he's got superhuman power, he screams and howls in the middle of the night. You could get caught up in all of those, those word pictures. And then there's the name and the showdown, and he's legion, and there's the 2,000 pigs. And you could ask questions like, so 2,000 pigs, does that mean there's like 2,000 demons? You know, you... You could get into all of that, but those details are, would be missing the point. The point is this. Jesus dominated the situation. And Jesus set the man free. Jesus revealed his power over the weather, over the physical laws of the universe, and now he reveals his power over demons. Verse 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. I mean, just imagine like this emergency situation and somebody's just like telling everybody, you know, there's this crazy thing that's happening. And so people rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed. Just imagine everybody in the town knew this guy. And so he, he's the talk. And so they see him, he had been possessed, but now he was sitting there full, fully clothed, and he's perfectly sane, and they're all afraid. And then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. So a couple observations from this segment. Number one, there are invisible beings. Don't struggle with that because God himself is an invisible being. The enemy would like us to discount that in order just to make us discount God's presence. There are invisible beings. A couple other things. We are broken, demons are real, and Jesus comes to bring, to bring us wholeness and victory and freedom. So, an important lesson just very simple. 
I learned this as a baby Christian. I didn't read Neil Anderson's Bondage Breaker. I hadn't read the entire Bible. All I knew is that when I was going through spiritual battle as a young Christian, just to call on the name of Jesus. And, and sometimes the enemy would just have such a grip of fear over me, it was like I couldn't even speak. And I just tried to get on Jesus, and the moment I did that, poof, gone. And so the important thing, the man who is demon-possessed, he simply came to Jesus. And that's all we need to do. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who makes us whole and brings freedom. Verse 17. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Verse 18. And Jesus was getting into the boat. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, we don't know why the crowd wanted Jesus to leave. Maybe it was just fear of the unknown. Maybe, you know, the owners of the pigs, man, these guys are upset. I mean, that's a big investment just to, like, disappear into the water. And they're all dead now. I don't think we can barbecue those things fast enough. I don't think I would want to after watching what had happened. <laughs> okay, so they got this big economic loss, you know. Sometimes when God does things, life doesn't necessarily get easier. I mean, imagine Moses going to Pharaoh. I mean, if you were Moses, I mean, what would your prayer be if you knew you had this assignment to go talk to the most powerful president of the superpower of the world? And you were going to say, you know, I'd like you to change the immigration laws and to let this group of people go. What would your prayer be? Lord, I pray for favor. God, would you, like, work in his heart and, and help him to agree with what you want to do, right? That would be the prayer. But God says, no, I'm going to harden his heart. In fact, I'm going to do it ten times. Imagine if you had the assignment, like, Lord, why are you making this hard? Why, why so difficult? But the Lord said, so that Egypt, the people of Israel, in fact, all the world would know that he is Lord. So we don't know why these people wanted Jesus to leave, but the man who was delivered, he begged to go with Jesus. When you've been touched by the power and the love of God, you just want it, you're drawn to his presence. You are. And for those who have not experienced his love and power, they don't want anything to do with him. Get out of here. Go away. But those who have been touched by him, they want more. You know, a modern-day example, I was just watching YouTube last week, and uh, the National Day of Prayer, we had that on Guam. That was great. So glad that we did that. But they also had national, national days of prayer all over the country. And in Washington, D.C., the National Day of Prayer was held in the Rose Garden at the White House. And so, um, who was it? Chapman? Yeah, Stephen Curtis Chapman. He led worship. And then afterwards, various dignitaries got up to speak and to pray. And when you're watching on YouTube, you know how you'll be watching a video and then there's all these side comments of people responding to the event? I was, I was reading those. It was actually very distracting. I was trying to like, how do you cut that off? But I was reading those and there were basically two kinds of responses. People either loved it. They were like, man, I am so glad that we're able to have prayer on our nation's capital, praise God. And then there were people who were like, what the? 
and all these four-letter words. I can't believe this is happening. What's a, what about the separation of church and state and all this and very vulgar words? You could just tell they hated it. You know, there are two extremes. There are two reactions when God is at work. People either love it or they hate it. It's the same kind of response in this story. The townspeople who had not experienced Jesus personally wanted nothing to do with him. Meanwhile, the, demon, the demonized man who got free wanted to go with him. Verse 19. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region. In some translations, they're described as the, the Decapolis, Deca meaning ten. So he started off to the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Imagine the people who knew about the man who lived in the cemetery with no clothes, who could not be restrained. He would snap chains. He would cry out and scream all night. Imagine a man like that showing up at a family gathering. And now he's sane, he's clothed, he's in his right mind, and he's here to tell you what happened to him. That was an amazing thing. Verse 20 says, everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now I want you to notice where the man went. The man went to the ten towns. You've heard me say this before. In the Bible, the number ten is symbolic of testing. Just to remind us, how many times did, how many times were there plagues over Egypt? There were ten. Now, I could have said how many times did God test Pharaoh's hearts, but we're more familiar with the plagues. How many lepers were there that Jesus healed? Ten. It was a test to see how many would come back to give thanks. Do you recall how many came back? How many days did Daniel ask to be tested to, be, to not eat the king's food so that they could see that they would be healthier, stronger, and sharper at the end? It was 10 days. He said, test us for 10 days. In the Bible, you will literally see the number 10 with the word test. This man was given an assignment. God touched him. God healed him and set him free. And he said, go home to your family, to your relatives who live in these 10 towns and tell them about what God has done. When Jesus heals you, he gives you a mission. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to complete your assignment. It's a test. The demon-possessed man was awakened, and then he aligned himself with Jesus and the power of Jesus. After being set free, he said, Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to go with you. I want to be where you are. Let me go with you. That's the heart of someone aligning themselves with God. Lord, I just want to be with you. But then Jesus gave him an assignment, and he said, go home, go to your family, and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Life is a test. How do we respond 
when we encounter Jesus? Have you been awakened to God's presence? Has he revealed his presence to you? Are you aligning yourself with him? Do you know your assignment? And if you do, have you done the last thing that the Lord told you to do? These are big questions. These are challenging questions. These are important questions. And some of the challenges and difficulties can be things like what I mentioned earlier in the beginning of this message. We can struggle with living in fear. We can struggle with judgment that cuts us off from relationship with other people that God would want us to work with or minister to. We can struggle with anxiety, unbelief, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. Any of these can prevent us from aligning ourselves with Jesus, aligning our heart with his. Any of these can prevent us from sensing what is our assignment. Any of these can prevent us from accomplishing it. So so no matter what the struggle is, if we will come to Jesus, just like we saw in the story, if we will simply come to him, he can set us free from those hindrances. He can take away those things that are blocking us from entering into our destiny. I'd like us to take some time to do some business with God and ask him to clarify what it is that he's saying to you. And so if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. We'll take some time to pray and to seek the Lord. And so if you would just get comfortable in the privacy of your heart and just turn the eyes of your heart to the Lord and your ears to listen and say, God, what are you saying to me? Lord, what is it that you want to show me? God, what are the next steps for me? So if you would take some time just to be still, to be quiet, to watch and listen to whatever it is that God wants to show you.
Some of you are sensing what God wants. Others of us are still seeking. That's okay. Sometimes the seeking can be a long time. Sometimes it can be instantaneous. It's different for everybody. There's no right way or wrong way. The important thing is that your heart is directed toward him, that you're aligning yourself with him, that you're putting yourself in the right position spiritually, posturing yourselves to be able to experience him. That's the important thing. And we trust him for his timing. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, would you seal it or continue it, whichever one applies allow us to draw closer to you and to experience you. And I pray all of this in